Third Degree, the podcast is brought to you by Soccer 90. Check out all the new FIFA World Cup arrivals, including the men's national team, like it or hate it, tees, scarves. In addition to U.S. gear, Soccer 90 has all the international tops, France, England, Brazil, everybody you could want. Shop Soccer90.com today. And as listeners of this podcast, you get 20% off your purchase when you use the code Third Degree, 3-R-D-D-E-G-R-E-E, at checkout. Some exclusions apply. Well, hello there, FC Dallas Curious fans. Welcome to another episode, I'm told, is numbered 179, 179 of Third Degree, the podcast. Hi, it's me, Peter. No, Dan. Repeat, there is no Dan. So for those of you that come to this podcast for Dan, you can just hit stop now because there is no Dan. But we do have your hero, my hero, and everybody's hero, editor, founder, of thirddegree.net, the amazing Buzz Carrick. Come in, Buzz. Uh, hello, Peter. How are you on this fine evening? I'm good. I just finished watching episode four of Andor, and it is really, really good. I tried to tell you it was really good, and you doubted me. No, I said that I had heard <laughs> yeah. that it was, uh, but you know what? I'm kind of digging it. I don't yeah. know why I feel like I can make this analogy, and this is going to be an extremely uh, obscure analogy, but it has this mm-hmm. weird vibe to this really cool espionage show from several years ago that used to be on AMC called Rubicon. Okay. If you ever if you never watched Rubicon, it was really slow and but very the whole thing had this real uh, sense of tenseness to it, tension, uh, and that's the vibe I get from Andor, and I'm digging it so far. So there you go. All right. Well, what I would say about it is that I think Star Wars is at its best when you have a small or story about one or two people with a backdrop of a global, you know, galaxy wide whatever. So Andor, like the original Star Wars, is a small. You know, yeah. So it's kind of that's best. It's kind of like adult Star Wars without the Absolutely. being like a hard R, I think is the best way to explain it. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, 100%. All right. Nobody came here for Star Wars no. talk, Buzz. Well, they want to hear yeah. they want to hear you <laughs> pontificate about Football Club mm. Dallas and all things Huntsman. All right, Buzz, uh, I know this is episode number 719. We didn't really have a league game to talk about. I have I have nothing to provide in terms of Dallas versus Tigris. I don't even know if I know the score of the game, much less watched any of it. So this is all you, buddy. Okay. Go for it. Well, you're certainly not the only one that didn't know there was a game going on. Um, it was a oh, wait, real... hold on. Yeah. I knew there was a game going on. No, I just well... <laughs> didn't give two shits about it. Well, fair enough. Perhaps you're not the only one that didn't care about it. Um, the final result, by the way, is 3 nothing for Tigris. The crowd was better than I expected. The place was about half full, but it was about um, 80% Tigris fans. You know? <laughs> Shocking <laughs> yeah. development. Yeah, there were some FC Dallas fans there, but um, not as many as I had hoped for. The Tigris fans came from all over the United States. There were lots of banners for clubs for Tigris from all over the U.S. That's not surprising. But they have a, a huge fan base in Texas. Tigris is really big in Texas, really big in Dallas. I, for one, would like to see that relationship maintained and returned to its higher levels when there was a, you know, more of a give or take between the two clubs, because I think there's some, you know, economies that can benefit both there, you know, in terms Mm -hmm. of um, exchange of whatever's it is that, you know, Monterey is relatively speaking, you know, close to closer to Texas and Tigris is a team that has invested heavily in terms of their participation in Dallas cup and take it very seriously. And they do have a big fan base here. And if you can, convince any of those people at all to have FC Dallas be their Texas team, their MLS team, then that's an added win. So uh, I I think it's a great event. I wonder how many MLS teams can host a friendly against a Liga MX team and end up being a majority of the MLS team's fans in attendance. Like if, let's say, for example, if Austin SC hosted Chivas or throw whatever club in there yeah would there be more of the austin fc fans or the league mx club fans that's a good question i don't really know about lafc if you did it in houston you'd have more league mx fans um and la no, i was saying austin yeah FC. i said i don't know oh. all right i don't know about austin we oh, i thought seen you said in, lafc i'm sorry i'm sorry uh, maybe i did maybe i misspoke um austin we don't know what would happen yet um 
Houston, I'm sure, would be outdrawn by whatever Mexican team they played. Sure. Um, they're, they're just not doing great attendance numbers right now. Uh, Chivas of Guadalajara, if you played them in L.A., they would wreck whoever it was. They would find a way to get all the tickets. Even if you <laughs> said they couldn't have any, it wouldn't matter. You would... The Galaxy, for sure, right now, they would dominate that building, and they probably would figure out a way to dominate LAFC. Because Chivas in, in, in L.A., in my experience, is a massive organization. I've driven around L.A. and literally seen Chivas graffiti more than any other graffiti that I've ever seen out there. Interesting. Okay. Um, you know, I, I don't know whether that is true of other Mexican clubs, but um, and Chivas just has a heavy L.A. presence, just like Tigres has a heavy presence here in, in, in Texas. So I... I imagine that there are lots of places in the U.S. that that wouldn't hold true, but in the, you know, the Texas and Southern Californias, I'm I'm sure that, um, you know, any, any of those clubs would draw well. Mexican clubs would draw well. All right, now you and I have been doing this a long time, and I my sense is back in the day when Dallas used to book these games, we as fans would get a little frustrated by this. We'd get all bummed out the fact that our home stadium was being dominated by the other team's fans. And I don't, does anybody care about that anymore? I mean, I certainly don't. I think people are used to it by now. Um, you know, the, should I think, we care? I, maybe, you know, the, the, the problem um, for FC Dallas is that a significant portion of their fan base is not um, active in terms of their participation and their awareness. You know, so if you add a game in, you don't get a big response because it wasn't on the original schedule. It hasn't been put into people's planners or whatever. Anytime you add open cup games, add friendlies, it doesn't matter who the friendlies against. You just get nothing in terms of FC Dallas fan participation. You know, now if you're playing a German team, you'll still outdraw however many hundred German fans show up. But when you're playing a Mexican team, particularly when you're playing Tigres, which is as far as I know, based on my eyeballs, the biggest fan base in Texas is for Tigres. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly in Dallas it is. So, you know, you're going to get crushed every time. It's just like anytime you play Mexico here, you know, Cotton Bowl, AT&T, it doesn't matter. You're just going to get annihilated. There's just this, that many more fans. I mean, imagine if you played the U.S. We've seen that. The U.S. played Mexico at the Cotton Bowl way, way back when. And they just got blown out of the building in terms of fan. You know, it doesn't matter who it right. is. You know, it's yeah. just the Mexican presence here, the Mexican fan base here uh, is well, massive. And, and there are other Mexican teams that draw well here, but Tigres is number one. The other ones that have done well, I, I think um, Club America does pretty well here. Um, Pachuca does fairly well here. You know, the ones that are closest, but Tigres mm-hmm. is number one. What was the attendance in the Rhine for the game like? Half. Um, hmm. I'm, I'm not one to get into supporters culture, but El Matador showed and, and Dallas beer guardians did not, uh, you know, for whatever reason, um, okay. El Matador did a pretty good job though. They had lots of, um, flares going off and some singing and, 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 you know, and they probably were trying to do their best given that Tigres had a lot of that kind of vibe going on too. They had a lot of drummers and a lot of smokes going off when they were winning and, you know, a lot of chanting going off from both sides of the stadium because they have a really active fan base. All right. Well, I guess that's probably enough about the off the field, uh, uh, yeah. you know, aspect of it that nobody probably really cares about, except for people like you and me. I, yeah. Why don't you go ahead and tell everybody what happened in the actual game, the on the field stuff? Right. So the first thing was uh, I was caught completely off guard by how much rotation there was. When Coach Nico said that this game was about uh, maintaining a rhythm of the game, I assume that meant that he wanted to get his starters in the game and get minus the call up guys and get, you know, at least 45, if not like a 60 minute run out of them, a a normal starting rhythm. Well, that wasn't what happened. (laughs) He completely rotated the team. Really? The only player that played that's a, that's a lock starter is legit because there's no backup for him or he would have been sitting. Mm -hmm. Um, Pause was in net because uh, Jimmy Maurer was with North Texas because they're missing they were missing both of their keepers, so Maurer went with North Texas, and so Julian Eisen, who's the 16-year-old kid who's six foot six, was the other keeper. Um, you know, I, I'm sure they would have liked to have gotten him in, but it wasn't part of the plan. You know, Paz was going to go the whole way, and then Hedges played because Hedges is coming back and needed the minutes. But other than that, it was complete rotation. It was second-string guys. It was some guys that weren't even on the roster at all. You know, guys like Khalil got El Makur started, Regic started. You know, guys that are way off of the roster. And so I was really caught off guard by that. It turned those guys all went, except for one change, those guys all went 60, 
minutes plus, and the starters only got 20 to 30 minutes. And so that really caught me off guard because that's not rhythm of the game. That's just a runabout for 20 minutes. So I don't, I don't understand what he was talking about, and I haven't got a chance to talk to him about it yet, and he probably got bigger fish to fry at this point, but I'm sure I'll get into it with him someday. Um, but the bottom line was we got basically the complete bottom half of the roster played, um, you know, minus hedges and, and being a normal starter. And Tafari played because Tafari also, of course, you're trying to build minutes from. But still, that's, you know, relatively speaking, a lot of rotation. So of those guys that were what I would call the non-rotation or the non-starter kind of guys, unfortunately, I don't think any of them did anything to help themselves. Um, when I, The first half, I watched the first half, and so intently because of it was all these all these young guys and all these kids and, and nobody did anything that made me think, oh, there's a little spark. There's something I want to see to get some minutes and work on. It was all flat. It was in, and Tigres, um, as you know, those top tier Mexican teams have just bags and bags of talent. Like if you break out their rosters, they have like 15 guys that are DPs and not three. So they're much deeper than FC Dallas. And when, you know, they had a mix of starters and reserves too, but their mix of starters and reserves is much stronger than Dallas's. And they, they pretty much controlled the game for the most part. And, and there was not a lot of play in the first half with all the reserves that made me care at all, um, except for Sebastian Legette, who was phenomenal. But, you know, he was a whole head and shoulders above everybody else on his team by a long way. But that's not surprising. He's a guy in the prime of his career who's a lock starter, who's been playing great all year. So he looked like you would expect him to look, playing with a bunch of dudes that never play. So it was not a particularly beneficial first half by any means. So, uh, you know, the end result of 3 nothing makes it sound like it was a really bad night for Dallas. I mean, that's not a good result. Yeah. So, it, I mean, is that really indicative of the game? Yeah, pretty much, actually. Um, the The second half was you know, better when the, once they brought the starters in and Thomas Roberts got to come in at halftime and I'll talk, we'll talk about him in a minute, but um, the score line was pretty fair. You know, Dallas did not make a lot of chances, even once they started bringing the starters in, you know, they were still missing Jesus and Paul and Velasco, even after they brought in Obreon and um, Man, I can't remember who else they brought in now, but you know they 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 got like basically what like what would what would have been a starting group out there, you know, and it really wasn't particularly any better, you know, it, it, with missing those three really creative, terrific guys up top, you know, there wasn't a lot of chances for Dallas being created, and defensively, they just really struggled to um, mark, you know, when they particularly when they had some of the non-starters in there, like Quinones came in, you know, and, and we didn't see anybody, any, no Martinez at all, no Nassabling at all, but almost everybody else that you would expect came in and okay. it just didn't get much better. Um, there was one particular play that, that was the one goal that really bothered me a lot. There was a throw in down on the sideline and nobody in the far down on the Dallas end and nobody pressed the throw and the throw went into a guy and everyone just stood and looked at the guy and I actually thought it was a set play because I was sitting far at the other end. And it was only later I found out it was the throw-in because he was so uncovered and so unchallenged. They looked at me like he just stood there and took a free kick. Hmm. And he whipped that ball in, and Nikosi went up and bodied a guy and cleared him out. But the ball just went over Nikosi and bounced and went into the goal. <laughs> it's like, oh, no. And, but it's a, it's a bothersome because the, one of the Achilles heels of this team is penalty kicks or free kicks you know, fouls given up right outside the box. And this is equivalent to that in the sense that there was no challenge. So the guy just lined up across, you know, it was turned out to go into the net, but um, it continues to be that that ball from wide space that can come in off of a free kick, you know, or a shot from right outside the box is problematic. And that's where this team giving up fouls is basically it's for being a team that gives up few goals. They give up too many foul opportunities that turn into PKs or shots on goals. And that's an Achilles heel. There's going to playoffs. Um, and that's still a problem in this game. All right. Well, um, these things are always weird, and I assume uh, there's some value to them. Uh, is there anything yeah. good to take away from the game? 
as we well, move into the last two games of the season? Yeah, the value is, um, you know, keeping um, the training schedule going by having something to play for, the rhythm of train, 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 play. Now, I would have liked to have seen the starters get more of a run than they did, but, I mean, you know, I'm sure they had some load management characteristics or something they were looking at. I just didn't think that um, – the starters got much of a benefit from it other than the energy expenditure of, of, of like a 30 minute game, which is not great. But um, the one positive for me was Thomas Roberts. Now I, I know I'm obviously biased about Thomas Roberts. I think the kids got talent and hold, hold on a second yeah. before you, before you say anything, I just done on me when you said Thomas Roberts played for FC Dallas. Yeah. Is this the first time we've seen him in a Dallas jersey since 2020? Uh, no, 2019. Um, Are you serious? Yeah, well, and he probably played in some Open Cup games um, at some point that I, off the top of my head, I'm not, I can't ID them, but he probably played against like New Mexico United. But isn't, you it, know, but isn't it crazy that we're sitting here and at, after all this time and you and I are have are struggling to even recall the last time we saw him play for this team? Yeah, when he when he signed like basically late in 2018 and so I mean they count that but it, he didn't really wasn't really active until 2019. If you remember the beginning of that season there were some injuries and Thomas actually started three games out of the first seven and played in six of those games and played like 230 something minutes in those first six or seven games and then never played again. Mm-hmm. He didn't play for Lucci at all after that. And he didn't play, hasn't played at all for the new coach. You know, now part of that was the loan he had last year for like six months. Um, and then that's it. Other than like an, and you can't look at this match log and see open cup games, but he, that was basically always had basically the guy hasn't played consistently literally in, in five years since back when he was in the Academy, which is like May of 2018 was probably the last time he played consistently. Um, and as I said on my little burns, like that dude was a killer in the Academy. He destroyed teams like Paxton and Jesus and Tanner did like MVP of the tournament level play. And um, no one has invested playing time in him since. You know, there was a time when Bayern Munich wanted him on loan and FC Dallas blocked it. That looks pretty dumb in hindsight. But um, I'm sure, as you've asked before, is is he partly responsible for some of it? Oh, I'm sure. I, I, I'm sure part of it's been his doing. But at the same time, for whatever reason, no one here has invested the time in him. They haven't arranged a loan where he actually was going to play. They haven't managed to get him. You know, he played for North Texas a little bit in that 2019 season. And if you remember, he went down at first and was kind of just running around. And it was like, okay, dude, if you're going to go down there, you got to crush it. It has to look stupid that you're there. And he finally realized that in like the back half of that season, he just destroyed people down there at North Texas. And they were like, okay, well that doesn't do you any good anymore. So, and then nothing like they needed to get him an opportunity somewhere else. And they didn't, but it's too late now, you know, to it's all water under the bridge. But in this game, um, I thought he looked really great. You know, you, there's a player in there. He he would come <laughs> back and he would pick up the ball and he would he would aggressively dribble forward and go at defenders and shuck them and make passes. He he made three or four entry balls to O'Brien, who was offside all the time, but that's not Thomas's fault necessarily. You know, he was dribbling guys. He was picking the ball off guys. He was moving around trying to make himself available. He was line breaking. You know, lots of quality. There, there was a, p- a point where he skinned a dude and the Tigris guys chased him down and wrecked him. And once they figured out that they could wreck him and not get a call, they basically just every time he would get the ball, they would smash him after that because they recognized that he was a guy that could do a little something. Now, nothing came off for him in terms of the score sheet, which, of course, is part of the deal, right? If you can't get assists as a playmaking kind of player, this is our complaint about the next tier for Paxton, right? Is you got to get goals and assists if you're going to be that guy, if you're going to be a 10, you know, a free eight, if you will. That's one of the reasons why Paxton is a natural eight and a linking eight is because he does not produce the goals and assists you want of a higher player compared to Legette, for example, who does. It doesn't have to be astronomical numbers, but he has to do something. And so, you know, you watch Thomas play, and I see that's the only guy that played the whole game, other than a starter who you knew already, is a guy that I thought, man, there's a little something there. I'd like to see some more. Let's get that guy some time. You know, I I do have um, one thing I think probably limits him for this coach, 
other than we've talked about the style problem where Thomas looks like he's drifting because he's this smooth flowing kind of player. The other thing I think he could do better is um, for this particular system, if you're trying to get into this team, trying to just deal with the world as it is, is that he's drifting and looking and, and breaking and, and making himself available up in zone 14, like as a 10 does, which is his natural positioning. And I, I don't see this one in training because you don't play full field very much. And in the full field, it was a little more obvious. Where think about how they talk about how Seuss, how he comes back. Think about the way Paxton comes back. Think about how the ledge jet comes all the way back. You have to be that free eight, right? No one's a 10 anymore. You have to do the two way work. So Thomas needs to come back deeper and line break from the center backs and the six forward. Because when he's drifting around where he was in this game, he's leaving the six and the other eight on a little bit of an island. So, so Surreal or Facundo only has one outlet there. He needs to make himself more available as a deeper eight uh, because it is a double eight system. So that's, that's the main thing he could do to help himself right now. Now, big picture, I think he's running out of time. I don't, I don't think there's going to be, I mean, I can't imagine when you have a kid for five years and don't play him that they're going to keep him. I mean, he's, he's in, he's going into an option. So if they wanted to screw him, they could, but I mean, why bother? Right. They clearly don't want him. They clearly don't care. Think he's got something for them or they would play him. They don't even send him to North Texas anymore. They sent him to North Texas last game and didn't even play him. It was left him on the bench, not the playoff game. They sent him to the season final. He didn't, they didn't even put him in after they let him go down. I mean, what, what an insult that is. You know, it's just, yeah. um, you know, I, sometimes you just need a fresh start. And I, I still think Thomas has plenty of game and he is young enough. I think that he'll have plenty of time. How I mean, old he's is only he now? T- he's 21. Yeah. And he turned 21 this year. It's like it was back in May. So, I mean, it's not, it's not like he's going to be 22 tomorrow. You know, it's like, Back in the day, he would we would not even be drafting him yet, right? We're coming out of college, he still would be like a junior. So there's there is time for him to build a career. He just needs to go somewhere, anywhere, where he's guaranteed that he's going to play. Like if he, if his next move goes somewhere where they're like, well, if you do this, we might get you in. That's a terrible mistake. It's <laughs> like you need to go somewhere where it's like you're playing no matter what. Even if that was like, I mean, USL one maybe would be a bad idea because he'll just annihilate that league, but. Um, well, you know, would he? I mean, uh, yeah, I think he would. I mean, he might not like out of the gate, but like maybe it's what he needs is a season in a league like that just to destroy it, I, I think. I mean, the kid might be so shot mentally now. I, I don't think so because I watch him in training and I don't see a guy mentally shot. I see a guy still trying to prove himself. Well, you know, it is I the just, curious. It yeah. is the curious case of the career of uh, or the curious career of Thomas Roberts. I I that kid had so much promise and we were yeah. obviously very hyped on him here on this particular podcast. It just hasn't paid off. And I mean, he, he still presses well, you know, and I have, co- I've had not every coach, but there are coaches at SC Dallas that I've talked to that talk about how he's one of the best on ball players in the, in the whole organization. And he's the best passer and the best vision and how special he is. There's people there that believe in him, but Sometimes it's See, like if you don't do the two-way thing of the modern game, yeah. you're not going to get that opportunity. When you have a coach like we have now, you know why Lucci lost face? I don't know. I, that's a bit of a head scratcher because you know Lucci, I thought would have seen him enough in the academy to know, but um, I don't know whether Lucci was just so panicking about how worse and worse and worse things are getting. Going to a kid's not going to help him any. You know he played more, less and less kids as time went on, not more. So uh, yeah, head scratcher. All right. Well. Uh... We'll keep rooting for Thomas. Little Tommy Poo. Yeah, me too. Coming up Saturday is the penultimate final or the penultimate league game for Dallas. They travel to Dick's Sporting Goods Stadium up in Colorado uh, as they face off against the now uh, eliminated Rapids. I'm sure it'll be a scintillating scene (laughs) in Colorado (laughs) at a 1.30 Denver time kickoff time. It's 2.30 Dallas time. Uh, for the game, so uh, I'm not anticipating much atmosphere in uh, the Denver area for this game, but uh, yeah. uh, uh, Nico's got business to take care of. Yeah, it's a national game. I mean, what a, I mean, I, I think they would have picked this one maybe because Colorado was so good last year, and how they wrecked that team over one season is hard to say. Well, you think they wish um, they had flex options yeah. <laughs> on the schedule? <laughs> Something like that. Uh, listen, the, the the last two games are important for Dallas because you want to maintain the home field advantage you want to get that home game um 
there are teams within sniffing distance of Pat. If you went out, this is cool. If you went out and Austin loses out, you can actually get to second because they're only on 55. You can get to 56 if you went out and they don't. Um, mm. They're not likely to, but uh, you know, still worth a worth a, a shot. And certainly, you want to. It's not just that you you can't fall out of the playoffs, but you want to keep that three four spot. Now, if you get three or four, does that matter? Not really. The only difference would be if you advance, do you face LAFC or do you face Austin? So pick your poison on that. Um, what really matters is you know what matchup you're going to get. Do you want to get Nashville? Do you want to get LAFC? LA, I got Galaxy. Do you want to get Portland? What if RSL sneaks back in? You know, those are your kind of what you're looking at is who's going to have to come here and play. Um, you definitely, if you lose both, you probably will not get that home game though. Uh, you probably will lose it because they're only on 50, and Nashville, LA, Portland are are on 47 and 46. So you know, only three or four points behind, and teams that are getting hot and getting themselves in, like LA Galaxy and Portland just got in, and Nashville's trying to get higher up the standings too. So. Um, you cannot mess around, which means full rotate, a uh, full first team. Jesus and Ariola should be back. I can't imagine they won't play. Neither one of those guys. They only played one game. Ariola was even less. You know, Jesus hardly put, played more than just the one. Um, Velasco, I assume, is still going to miss this game. He posted a video of himself working out. Didn't look like a guy ready to go to me. Um, so I'm assuming he's going to be out there for this one too. It, it still fits the time frame, mm. but everybody else is 100% first team. The the one fascinating question will be Tafari versus Hedges, because Tafari's played pretty, a couple of pretty good games in a row. Hedges is not a spring chicken anymore. You know, will Hedges get that spot back, or will he stay with the guy that's been playing pretty well? That'll be the one fascinating question because everyone else is on lock now. There's not going to be any more. I mean, there haven't been changes in like a month now in terms of the lineup, so. It's pretty easy to predict what's going to happen. Well, just for context, so Dallas is at Colorado, then home at KC left. Yeah. Austin in front of them has a similar kind of week schedule uh, at Vancouver, then Colorado at home to end. It's beneath them that it gets interesting because Nashville has Houston, but then they have to end the season traveling to LAFC. Mm. And obviously LAFC is trying to make sure that they secure the top spot. Uh, L.A., the Galaxy, have a home game against RSL, and then their final game of the season is on the road in Houston. Portland has LAFC at home, and then a road game at RSL, and Minnesota is at San Jose and Vancouver. So, man, there's just so much likelihood yeah. for things to bend and flex that it would... It, well, and the other the other thing to remember here is that it's so critical. You and I, if we could provide any context and, and uh, long-term knowledge, what is the one thing we always talk about going into MLS playoffs? What oh, is being the, hot, yeah. Is, is being hot and you yeah. just being in form. And Dallas right now is a team that is only hasn't lost in four games. And if you could finish out this season just collecting points – um, you know, and while other teams, you know, let's uh, poor, uh, Austin's a great example. They've lost three of their last five games. Now the last two yeah. is a, a win and a tie, but that's a Dallas is looking in better form. Uh, Nashville's been in a really nice run. They've won four and tied two. Uh, the Galaxy, okay, three ties and a win. I mean, so you see where I'm going with this. Yeah, for sure. Portland has won four. Uh, they're undefeated in their last five. Uh, four wins and a tie. And then you got Minnesota, who's not in any kind of form. They've lost <laughs> four of their last five, and only one of those five is a tie. So it's all about form going into oh, these yeah. playoffs, and and that's why they just can't let their foot off the pedal at this point. Yeah, this is the Hunt system, right? Get in and give yourself a chance. Both <laughs> it's LAFC, the Huntsman way, but Yeah, it is. Both LAFC and Austin have had poor runouts to the back end of the season, relatively speaking. LAFC is technically clinched number one. They can't lose that, but – if they go lost, lost going in, they're going to be in trouble. They don't want that. They're going to want, like everybody else, you want to go into the playoffs on a multiple game running positive result streak. You don't have to have wins, but you want to not be losing games or getting blown out or, or blowing leads and turning them into ties or something. You know, you want to be feeling really good. And if you get hot, it only takes a couple of wins in the playoffs. And, you know, and if these teams are stumbling – if you, if you watch LAFC get wrecked by Houston like they did like a month ago, or you watch Austin get wrecked by whoever that was, was it San Jose? Or San Jose beat LAFC too. You know, it's like some of these teams have stumbled at the wrong time and they've opened the door, not in terms of the seating, but in terms of like 
people are now looking at them like those teams are beatable. You know, we've seen now models of how to get them, mm-hmm. and and it's really difficult to be like in this cruise mode and turn it back on in the playoffs. That is oh. really hard to do. Yeah, we've seen that yeah. so many times just here oh. in Dallas. I mean, has Dallas ever gone into the playoffs where they've not played well in the pre last two or three games of the season and done well in the playoffs? I just off the top no. of my head, I'm sure somebody's going to tell me I'm it's going to show me an example of where that didn't <laughs> happen, but my sense is that the other thing I was going to mention about LA is Buzz, I know they've locked up the Western Conference. What they're fighting for is the supporter shield. Oh, they're that's tied, true. Yeah. They're tied with Philly at 64, but I'm going to throw this one out here. Should they avoid the curse of the supporter shield? Mm. I, I think that they probably, because they've stumbled so much, that they really are going to think more about we have got to perform these last two games to get back in a groove because they really have not no done well you know <laughs> yeah and there let's see one two three four five six seven they have four losses in their last seven games two wins and a draw on the other hand philly in their last seven has five wins a loss and a tie yeah i mean that's the hot team is philly hey, I mean, boy, is it ever yeah Holy they are crap. so good and gazdag is phenomenal so you maybe, know. maybe Buzz, as a Dallas fan, we should be hoping for a Philadelphia Shield win. For so the curse, when, yeah. <laughs> so when Dallas fans have to travel to, um, is it Chester? What is the town the yeah, stadium's in? South Philly. Yeah, yeah whatever that little crummy yeah. town everybody's afraid to go to at the end of the bridge is, uh, they have the supporters' curse hanging over them, and Dallas wins its first MLS Cup. How about yeah. that? That's a good way to tell the story. That would be, yeah. I mean, that... Uh, the nice thing about if you if you want an underdog story, Philly is the underdog. They don't have these big, huge, crazy DPS, and the gnashing of teeth for the LAFC fan base will be fun if they don't get the supporter shield and if they get crapped out in the first round. That'll all be entertaining. Hey, dirty secret: the supporter shield is a worthless award, meaningless <laughs> in every way, shape, and form. I know you hate it. It's I an unbalanced like it. schedule. It doesn't mean anything. It's stupid. Okay, oh, sorry. I still like it. That's on the uh, sub channel. Nobody actually heard yeah. that. No, I, I agree with all of your points when you make that case. I just, I still like it anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's perfectly okay. You like everything. Um, not everything. Okay. Most things. I'm a positive fellow. I you are. To, You're yeah. a jolly fellow, and that's why I love you. Uh, all right. So Colorado 230, it's on uh, the one of the Latino stations. Yeah. I can't remember. University uh, TUDN. Uh, yeah. One of those stuff, things. Yeah. Yes. And. You have to flip over the SAP and listen to a guy that doesn't speak very good English try to call a game very poorly, and it's a terrible, terrible experience yeah, all the way rough. around. Yeah. Um, all right. Do you want to spend any time talking about the national team? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I, don't know. I, don't I think know. we should. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, did you watch the game? Oh yeah, I watched yeah. him. Oh, I have a radio show to do. That's a yeah. soccer show, Buzz. I don't know if you know this. It's what? part of my responsibilities to watch these things. Come so on, that's I, music season. You're never on the air. Uh, you know what? <laughs> this is the one bonus of the hurricane because SMU oh. was supposed to play Saturday in Central Florida, and that game's now been pushed to Sunday. So we actually get to do a show this weekend. I'm oh, very fantastic! Delighted. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah, and I saw you went on the hard line today to talk about uh, the stadium. Yes, Back I did. School. Yes. Uh, yeah, I want to talk about the national team in terms of FC Dallas. Um, you know, Jesus, Paul, you know, Pappy, if you want, we can do. You know, I, I think it's yeah. important to discuss all that stuff. Um, I think my, my big thing to, to mention is that I think sometimes people look at the national team um, almost like it's an all-star team where they're like, they want the best 11 players, not the best team. You know what I mean? They're like, they think that, the, that you can play – Pulisic and Reyna and Aronson and Weah and Musa. It's like, no, there's not that many spots. You know, it's like I, I saw somebody drawing up a diagram today <laughs> with Aronson as a false nine. And I was like, why? Because he plays in Europe. I mean, what, what makes you think Aronson can be a false nine? Has he ever done that? You know, does he have any idea how to play a false nine? So it's like, you know, there's a ridiculousness to the national team. Like a national team coach. The most telling comment for Berhalter the whole weekend to me, a whole week, was the thing where he said, we're missing five starters, right? That's the thing. He clearly has a first 11. He clearly has a squad. He's looking in these games. He was looking for guys that like, okay, I'm missing those five guys. Who can I trust to fill in when we get to the World Cup? Who can be the 26th, 27th guy on my roster? He's looking for these ancillary side pieces. So when you if you look at the team... 
you have to think about it in those terms. You have to think about the squad. You have to think about the roles in the team. You, have to, you can't just stick anybody anywhere you want. And every time I see somebody doing things like that, I just scratch my head. I'm like, you don't, you don't understand <laughs> the game. And of course, all the Euro lovers, MLS haters, are like think that you know a guy that never has played a single minute in Europe is worth more than a guy that starts 34 games in MLS. You know, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, I um the the quote that I read from Burhalter that I thought was frightening was the one about. Pepe, where he said, I don't need him to score five goals tomorrow. I need him to play like a forward in our system. Right. And that's, I think that's a problematic statement for a team that has really struggled, uh, not just to score goals, but to create goals. And uh, I, you know, I, I've got a lot of, I got a lot of hot sports opinions about the national (laughs) team at this point, but I understand where you're coming from, Buzz. Yeah, there is, first off, Buzz, stop reading the comment sections. Oh, yeah, sorry. (laughs) You know, you're just going to, you're going to drag, you're too positive and jolly of a person to dive into those dirty, awful waters. Stop going to the Facebook group, okay? Just stop doing that. Um, well, well, the, the 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 great example of what he meant by "I need him to play a forward in our system" is like you know that the best players on this team, and you know who they are. They're not any of the nines right now. So when he says things like that, what he means is that he plays with the national team. He plays the exact same system that FC Dallas plays. So he, when he says he's missing this many stars or whatever, in his head, Jesus, I think, based on the way they pick things, is his lock nine oh, starter yeah. because it's because not because Jesus's goals in MLS are worth more than somebody else's goals in some, another league. It's because Jesus's goals and Jesus's production. And more importantly, every coach that ever has Jesus talks about the other things he does, not the goals. They talk about his line breaking, his movement, his, his way and his movement creates chaos and opens slots for your ballistics, your, your legit, your Velasco, your Areola, your Wea. He creates these gaps that make the system work for both SC Dallas and the national team. So when he says, I need Pepe to play like a forward in our system, that's what he means. He needs Pepe to do the movement that creates these opportunities, these gaps for other people to exploit. You know, Pepe did okay at that, you know, which is why he said, I don't need him to score. You know, now is Pepe going to make the team? The, the 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 thing is is like if you want to compare him to Sargent or Pifok, you know which one is going to get picked other than Jesus? Probably two will get picked. You know, yes, production of course, but Bearhalter is also going to think. I remember when Pepe bailed us out when nobody else would and got us into this play position in the first place. You know, is is Pepe at least playing in a single striker system? Because Pifok right is in a two striker system, is he not? Sergeant used on the wing all the time, you know, like which well, one Sergeant, of those, but Sergeant's been playing as a center striker through this lately. really good run for Norwich. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, telling though, that he got into camp this time and whatever he did, didn't get him the minutes. So, you know, when you think about squad building, you think about who can most replicate what Jesus is doing the way this current system currently works, who can provide me an alternative style if I need to change it up and go to a different style, who can do that? You know, and which one of the other three guys is going to get picked? I have no idea. I just thought it was really important the way they, they the things that he said and things they pointed out to me are proved that Jesus is going to be the guy because of the, not because he scored 18 goals in MLS, but because of the way he plays the position and the way it fits with the system because mm-hmm. it's the same system. Well, I know everybody's freaked out, and I think the collective U.S. soccer fan base is just assuming that the U.S. is going to crap out of group stage the World Cup. And they may be right. I don't know. I My big takeaway from this past weekend globally is that the fact that the final warm-up games for most of the teams in, that are going to be playing in Qatar are two months prior to the start of the tournament versus yeah. the two to t- two weeks to 10 days prior to the tournament, I think really render these games largely inconsequential um, sure. because I, you know, what I see a lot of out of these games it, are, are guys who just don't look like they're giving a hundred percent. And I don't blame them because they all know they're about to turn right back around, get on a plane, go back and play an extended run of league games. 
So I just don't know how anybody professionally goes into any of these games really working. So I think Weston McKinney is a fantastic example of this. We all know Weston's yeah. got an on-off switch. And very, very, very often, unless the game is super, super important or it's a really, really significant opponent, it's in the off position. <laughs> and I thought it was absolutely in that position in the Japan game yeah. in particular. So I don't know how much you can take away from it. I, I just I, I just think it's too far out, but I am worried that Burhalter is a guy that is overcomplicating things and he's more of I'm gonna I'm he's so dogmatic about his system that I do worry that he's not putting the right people in the right positions to maximize the potential of the team. Yeah. But I guess we'll see. It's possible. I remember he tried to do the Adams uh shifting left, you know, right back to six bit, you know, and that didn't go over really well yeah, but that was a man that was that was like trying to perform yeah brain surgery for yeah. yeah well we, we talked a long time ago about the when we looked at the schedule of this world cup that this was going to be one of the first world cups where like there's a you had a chance to play yourself in at the end because of how how you're going to be coming right out of league play and i think in the discussion of peppy i mean I, jesus i think's a lock in the discussion of Pepe, Sergeant, Peafock, uh, whoever else you want to throw into that mix, and I know there are other guys, you know, those discussions I think honestly are going to come down to, and I think you're right that they recognize this. It's going to come down into their club form. If you're, if you like, if Pepe, for example, scores five or six goals, like the clubs, this, the roster is being announced November 9th. So if between now and November 7th, Pepe scores six goals in play, that's a very different conversation than if he's drought until then, right? Same with Sargent, same with any of those guys. So I, I think you're 100 percent right that pl- you can play your way into this team when, when may- usually you might have a couple of months, not MLS guys because they would play through right through a World Cup, but most of your normal European guys almost have like a month and a half off, you know, mm-hmm. two months off before the teams get together to go play. So it is a different vibe. It's really weird uh, in that. Respect. This is a weird World Cup all the way around, to be honest. But well, do yeah. you? I, yeah, I think the the thing though. And again, this is one of the other thoughts that I was having about this whole deal. Uh, and I'm sure we'll Andy and I will talk a lot about this on Saturday. Is I just don't know how much you can take away from this weekend. Just just think. I mean, Buzz. Right now, let me ask you this question: Is there any national team currently that you think is just looking kick ass? That's in really good shape. Uh, I think Argentina looked pretty good. <laughs> okay, and, and that's, that's a, and, and, and that's a good shout because they're yeah. like on a, they're almost on a uh, on a record run yeah. of undefeated streak. But have you looked at their have you looked at their um, fixture list over no, that period I, no, of time? I, I haven't. I just saw that they, you know, were kind of just taking it care is, of everybody they played. Basically, it, you know? it is yeah. literally dominated with Commonwealth teams that yeah. they have played over and over and over. Now, I'm yeah, I'll be the first to agree that Commonwealth teams yeah. repetitively are way better than playing CONCACAF teams repetitively. But it's not like Argentina's been out battling Euro- European teams. And the reason is because of Nations League. Like, nobody was able to schedule games against European teams, especially ones playing in the tournament, Albeit exception of Italy, haha. Um, uh, and but if so, you're going to say, well, maybe one of the European teams. Did you see how Germany did over the last yeah. five days? France, yeah. Spain. Well, um, I was, was going to say Hungary's on a roll, but they're not in it. They're not in the tournament. <laughs> yeah, they're doing really well. But Portugal. Uh, I mean, no. Yeah. I, I, so my argument, yeah, Brazil looks kick ass, and they won six nothing against Tunisia. By the way, their last yeah. non-Comnibal opponent was Japan, I think. And they only beat them one nothing. I, I honestly think that because of the, the way this tournament's been shifted to the winner, that it throws off everything these teams, national teams, and all these clubs and all these players are used to is now thrown off kilter, and it's going to play havoc with yeah. with the whole thing. There's going to be some teams that are going to screw it up and be like somebody you don't expect is going to crash and burn, and there's going to be somebody you didn't expect that's going to figure it out and, and do really well. I think it's going to be a tournament of chaos. I really do. Yeah, I don't I don't know how this tournament's going to go and I and there's a big part of me that thinks that this thing could be a really really bland un not entertaining tournament because the the quality of play will be so poor because yeah. of this or it may end up being the most wheels off crazy ass tournament and it may be the first time we we finally get somebody other than France 
or Germany or Brazil to actually win it. That'd be fun, wouldn't it, to get an out real outsider? Yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't it be, I mean, I'd love to see Belgium win it or it would be yeah. great to see the Dutch win it, you know, or well, something like, like that. Like when Greece won the Euros, although they played a horribly boring way, but at least that was at least exciting that someone different did it. That'd be really cool. Yeah, and I need to say this. Or the United States. That'd oh, be yeah. cool too. Yeah, I mean, I don't uh, youngest team in it. I think we're not there yet. I think we're four, at least four, but away from being legit. I mean, you know, so. Oh, I think we are generations away from that, yeah, but that's a different conversation for a day. I just, I think the point to all of this is, is that I do think there's a lot of overreaction. Um, yeah, I'd agree uh, with that. Uh, because I, 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 the other feeling I tend to have, and I don't know if the facts back me up on this, I had this weird sense that the U.S. men's national team, specifically this generation, tend to play up to or down to the level of their opponent. And when it comes to playing in those big games, I just think these guys will turn it up a little. I'm not saying they're going to get out of group stage. I'm not going to say they're going to win a knockout game or whatever. I just yeah. think they're going to play better. Yeah, I, I agree with that. They're, that's, a, that's a symptom of young kids, motivation. Yeah. Young teams often play down to the competition, get up for hype games, get up for the real thing. You know, when you have these dredge games where you cross half the continent and now you're in a stadium with like five people, you know, that's terrible. It's hard to get up for that. You're playing a team that you think is terrible. You know, it, it's it's a symptom of young squads. And I grant you that there's lots of things to worry about from these games, but I'm not, I don't think any of them are panic worthy. I, you know, the, the, the problem at center back was a problem, was a problem a month and a half ago. You know, the problem in the nine was a problem for a year. You know, it's mm -hmm. not, these are not new things. You know, there's been times where Dallas, where Dallas goodness, the national team has looked pretty good. So, you know, I, I think they're in the same team they were a week ago. You know, they're not a different team now than they were a week ago. I mean, I, you know, minor concerns, yes. Guys that hurt themselves, yes. You know, guys that help themselves. I think Ariola helped himself, for example. Mm -hmm. You know, this that 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 guy is for me like he's on the fringe for sure, but that comes down to the squad building thing again, right? Bilingual veteran, prime of his career, playing really well for Dallas, can play right wing, left wing, play as an eight, play as a striker if you need him to. Locker room leader, not going to run his mouth, going to work hard no matter what. I mean, when you're picking a squad, and when you're picking a number. When you when you got a really young team, youngest team in the tournament, and you got a guy that's what's Paul 26, 27, a relatively speaking, veteran leadership. I mean, those are the kind of things that can get you in when you're a fringe guy versus yeah. a guy that's a pain in the butt. You know, maybe it may also depend on health of guys. You know, like if if Wea yeah. doesn't get back, you know, that's gonna make a big difference, you know, in terms of if Rain is not if Raina can't play ninety minutes, do you take him? I don't know, man. It's a tough question. Well, uh, Paul is exactly the kind of guy that has benefited from the expanded roster to 26. 100%. And, yeah, absolutely. Uh, he probably doesn't make it in, a, in another World Cup uh, cycle, but no. this may be the one he does. All right. Yep. Well, the next time we see them, November the 21st, 2 p.m. versus Wales. Mm. What a weird, stupid World Cup this is going to be. <laughs> Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, and uh, since we last talked, the end of the North Texas soccer club season has uh, taken place. Yeah, they really they missed. The... Played a playoff game without their best <laughs> players because of the stupid scheduling of the tournament. It's... Yeah, Carrera was missing, but they had Jimmy Maurer, who's a perfectly accessible keeper. Um, but they were missing Mulatto, who's their big-bodied striker that has a presence. You know, it's it's different. He doesn't score as many goals as Camungo. They had Camungo, but... You know, when you have a guy that takes the awareness of the team for him Camilo to play off of, and missing him was big. He was with Columbia U20 team. Um, by the way, there have been – we put the on the blog a while back. I think we probably mentioned it before, but just remind everybody. There have been reports that Dallas has uh, bought him now and has a, quote, long-term deal. And somehow Byron is still involved with – somehow Byron has an option to buy somewhere in there too, apparently, based on the reporting. Now, Dallas hasn't talked about any of this stuff because – it doesn't any of it apply until the next window opens, right? Because that's mm -hmm. it's an international transfer, but um, and that'll be in the winter sometime. But that's positive. Um, there's some talent down there, but they they were missing too much when it came to the playoff time. Um, but the main thing I want to talk about is Blaine Ferry because he's now out of contract. Uh, based on every information I have, I cannot find anyone who's ever told me that he has an option. As far as I know, he took that this was his option year, and he's now out of contract. Um, short of tagging him with some, with this stupid affiliate rule, which is kind of like a discovery rule. It means you can't sign somewhere else on MLS. The way 
like you remember back in the spring, I was convinced that he'd won a spot on the first team uh, on the MLS team. And I had a conversation with Nico where he literally told me he's going to be with us all year. And if he's not in the 18, he'll go down and play for North Texas. Otherwise he's going to be with us. And then nothing happened. He didn't get the contract and he was stuck down there all year. And then there was this mystery sequence where he vanished for like a month and a half for whatever reason, not like left town. He just wasn't in the 18 and wasn't in the team anymore for like a month and a half when he's clearly their best midfielder by a long shot. So I can't imagine that kid's going to come back for anything less than an MLS offer, but eight's a position that they're drowning in players in. So I just don't know. I, I think Dallas may have screwed this one up and lost what could be a good player for them. You know, he's not going to go to Europe again, but he could have been a valuable MLS asset, I think. And he's probably not, I would bet, I know nothing, but I bet that he's not going to want to stay here. And so they managed to screw it up with that kid. And I don't, you know, somehow along the line, something went wrong between the first team and the second team and the player. And it's, I doubt it's salvageable at this point. At some point, maybe in the off season, we need to spend a little bit of time uh, doing a balance sheet of players that come through the academy or through the system um, and where Dallas has uh, gotten it right and gotten it wrong, and just trying to figure out where they grade out uh, on an over on a kind of sure. like an overall scale. Because I because I, I think the general impression is 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 Dallas has just been absolutely killing it in that department, and maybe they are relative to all other MLS teams. But I do think that there's a lot of these stories that don't get told enough or dis, or considered enough yeah. that maybe uh, water that overall perception down when you really start to look into it they've definitely missed on some things here and there um you know we just it, talked about thomas roberts yeah i you know you 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 could even say some of the players that they've you know sent out on loan or sold like clearly they sold riches for too little you know uh che you know has he gone to the right spot he's only played a couple of games at the first team level. what about what about gojo gojo uh, whiff on gojo big time that's a complicated one but whiff on him big time um, yeah, guys, they didn't get signed. You could, there's the increasing usage of the go, Gojo move, which is to go to these USL championship teams and then jump to Europe at 18. Heavy, heavy bet on yourself, man. That's a high risk, high reward move. But um, more and more of these kids are going to take that. And you know, there have been kids that they bought that they've signed that I'm like, what are you doing? Uh, you know, now I don't have any other intimate experience with another team like around the world, like to compare it with. I can only compare it to with like what I see on the surface and what I'm seeing here in Dallas. So yeah. compared to other MLS teams, they've had some huge hits that have been amazing, you know, but I think every single one of these misses is an opportunity to learn. And hopefully they've learned and gotten better about them. The, the proof will only be their learning will only be visible as time goes on. You know, if they can, if they make less and less of these mistakes, you know, and and the it's been a learning process. And there's that word again, a learning process for the whole uh, club. You know, and for me and for all of us covering the club as well, because the system has been evolving and generated. Like every year, it takes a step and it changes. And just when we're like, okay, this is how it's going to be. Nope, it changes again. And next year, I'm sure it's going to change again. And there's with I mean, just like this this territory rule that I talked about a couple of podcasts ago, where now you're tagging these guys and you're tagging guys from outside your club. I mean, that's all of a sudden there's like it. Maybe it's better than the homegrown territory, but I still don't know how it's going to work out because you don't have to tell the kid. Imagine that. Has that happened yet? Have those rosters? Yeah. Have those names been announced? Oh yeah. And here's the fun one for you. They, they, no, they haven't been announced. They have to be, they had, they were filed though at the start of this season. They had to so do, do we know if any of these kids know their name is on said list? No, they for sure don't know. I do know that. They're not being <laughs> That's told. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my oh, life. <laughs> just wait. Okay. The first list that they filed, which was at roughly the start of August, say, not when exactly it was, doesn't matter. They based it off of last year's roster. Huh? So they retroactively tagged guys so there are guys in college right now that have been tagged by fc dallas and they don't know so you might be having a baller freshman year thinking i'm going to get a ga contract and dallas could call you up and go sorry it's homegrown or nothing holy shit yeah it was a retroactive tag towards 
last season, which means at the least guys, in terms, it's it's either a homegrown deal or nothing in terms of playing for Major League Soccer. Yes, no, there's of nothing course. preventing them from going yeah, to yeah, Europe yeah. or South America or anything. Oh yeah, okay. yeah. All no, right. outside the league, none of this matters. Outside the league, I mean, you can unless you're okay. under contract, you can do whatever you want. You can go right. anywhere, and that's the reason why they won single entity in the first place was because of that. Right, and that's so always is, true. This is one of those, uh, you know me, Buzz. I'm a yeah. hardcore MLS fan and a supporter and a yeah. believer, and I tend to overlook some of the things that other people really get antsy about. But these are the types of stories where I really, really cringe, and I oh. start to like find myself leaking over to the dark side <laughs> uh, and, and thinking, man, this is a really, really janky thing that is going on. Yeah, I hate hearing that story. That's too the, bad. The I, fact I, you don't have to tell them, it's yeah. amazing. I mean, I understand. That's, that's fundamentally the most bullshit yeah. thing I could ever imagine. The un I understand the idea that you want to protect the investment you've made. I understand the idea that, like, you have your homegrown territory. You want some level of protection of your backyard. Now, a roundabout story uh, to show why you can't do that forever. I don't know if you know much about hockey, but the Montreal Canadiens won this insane number of championships through the first, you know, 80 years of the NHL. Because they didn't have a draft, it was you owned your backyard. So the Montreal Canadiens owned you <laughs> all know, the that, best hockey players on yeah, the planet. And the planet were all in their backyard. And so they right. killed everybody every time, uh, forever. So that's what you don't want. So that's the reason why the, the territory rules keep shrinking. The teams that the academies suck want to be able to come get the 10th guy from Dallas, for example, because their academy is terrible. You know, but Dallas doesn't want that. So. You know, not that Dallas has signed ten guys; they're only going to sign one or two. You know, mm -hmm. that's, but still, like the idea so, that so like you the, could tag these guys outside your academy is a little weird. But okay, I understand the whole tagging part, right? Yeah. What I don't get is what is what is the advantage of not having to tell the kid that he's on this list? I don't know. It's possible they just never thought of it. But I well, how do you not think I, of that? It's like the know. first thing you and I thought of. Yeah. I just don't think it's fair. I think you should tell kids yes. if you're tagging them. Well, <laughs> I can see why, like, in your own academy, you could create a division where somebody might think that they're not worth as no. much or something. But I'm talking about Timmy Smith, who's yeah. playing for you <laughs> know, Club X or whatever, <laughs> yeah. and he's he, you know, he's playing at College Y or University Y, and, and like you said, killing it. And he's thinking he's yeah. got a whole thing going on where he's going to get into the – and only to find out that no, he's got one option and one option only. And I that and MLS he does, yeah. One and option. it's probably also a, a significantly, um, it's probably a lesser deal ultimately too than he would have gotten if he had not been tagged and found himself at another MLS team. Uh, yeah, because the GA conducts are pretty good, whereas homegrowns can be pretty small there's yeah. you know the, the minimum homegrown was the minimum deal you know like fix you, this fix this buzz do yeah, something I'll, about this on, let me get someone let me get garber on the phone okay uh you know it's uh it's an evolution you know they try something and people complain and they see how it works or it doesn't work you know it, it's like like mls next pro is just terrible you know it's like the I've talked to enough people at FC dallas like zanata and, and coach about this it's like they know that there's now this gap again this big gap, you know, that's why they sent Hernandez to San Antonio, for example, you know, they, they, they know that there there's, it's not good enough in terms of like, it's good enough for oh, a gap between the, the MLS North Texas, and, yeah. and, and MLS neck. It's okay, even sorry. bigger than USL one. Yeah. So it's like, yes, Colin Smith, Isaiah Parker, 18 year old kids, you know, fine. Great. They need game, 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 game. But 24 year old Nikki Hernandez down at North Texas no, dude, that's just awful. So they sent him to San Antonio. They arranged that deal. So they, there's an awareness that there's this space again until Next Pro improves, until they get more independent teams, until the other teams take it more seriously. Some of those teams are just basically a, like a bunch of academies got rid of their U19 team and just moved everybody up to the Next Pro. So like down, at the U19 level, Dallas only plays like one U19 team now from an academy. Everyone else is these other whatevers. They're not academy teams. So, you know, it's just... Christ almighty. Yeah. I mean, you know, listen, baby, 25 years is a baby... 27 years is a baby league still. You know, it's still... It's just got growing pains. I mean, this thing's a year old. It is. All right. You know? It is. Yeah. But, Buzz, we are finally now approaching that age 
that that age uh, limit where we got to stop using the it's a baby league excuse. Yeah, but different teams think about the world differently because like they had to force everybody to field a team in this league, you know. So it's like some of their teams just barely didn't even bother. It's like they wanted to do it as cheap as possible. They just show up with their 19s, basically, <laughs> you know, throwing a couple guys on rehab or whatever, and it's like that's it. It's just. That's uh, not good. All right. So, well, uh, so end of the North Texas season. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess we'll pick that back up sometime later on. Anything else you want to get into, sir? Yeah, just if you if you dig the process, you dig the North Texas stuff, I put up a thing about who I think they'll keep and who they won't keep on the website. So if you like that kind of stuff, go look at that. That's really it. But that's all about right. all I could get. I uh, think of uh, – uh, that was a fair more thought than I thought we were going to have when I first started writing down stuff to talk about today. Uh, you and I can always have an extended soccer oh. chat <laughs> and <laughs> just kind of prattle on and, uh, some, and it sometimes makes for an okay listen for other people outside. I'm not sure. I, I assume it does. I don't know. Maybe not. Yeah. I enjoy uh, talking to you about it, Buzz. Yeah. I, I think people do. I hope they do. But, um, you know, there was enough meat in the first half of the show. Oh, oh, I got one more thing I want to talk about. Okay. Uh, by the way, Steve Davis about to hit kit talk. If you want to bail out right now, just trying... okay. So, this last weekend in the academy, on one of the days in the academy, they wore the red top, white shorts, blue socks that I've been asking for for so two sexy. years. Oh my god, it was it gorgeous, so good. I, I posted a couple pictures of it on, on it. Twitter, and it's just so good looking. I just. I don't know why. Now I get. Do you think I get Dallas it. doesn't wear the white shorts because it's some sort of light dark combination yeah. comp problem that uh, for the league is that yeah. what the reason is? I think it's for simplicity. You know, you, you're kind of supposed to have this lightish and this kind of supposed to have this darkish look. And the teams that have a little bit of a mismatch, you know, the shorts they'll let you kind of have an out. They don't quite pay attention to the shorts like the rest of it. You know, so but sometimes the teams that have. A, a different color short it's still mostly a light get you know or a mostly dark kind of get you know but everybody in the league now has enough kit that you could easily deal with anybody coming in here you can wear white shorts against white shorts if you have to it's not a problem because you know the red white short blue socks is still predominantly dark other than the shorts the socks are dark and the top is dark and that's what the refs are looking at Right. And the, as long as the other team is light and light, you're fine. You know, they can wear dark shorts opposite or they can wear light shorts off of it. You know, it it doesn't matter enough. And that look is the white shorts make the kit just pop off the, the, the screen. It is so good looking. Um, I know there's some people that don't like white shorts for various whatever reasons, cleaning it or stuff. Diarrhea. Yeah. I mean, who cares? Because we're talking about the pro team. The first team doesn't have that problem. It looks so good. And it's and yes, keep hoops in there or kind of hoops or whatever you're doing nowadays. If you, if it's red on blue, even if it's a full, real clean, classic hoop still works, still gorgeous. Look at Flamingo, gorgeous coloring with the, their red and black hoops and white shorts. You know, this look can be great. And all you got to do is because look at the FC Dallas now, in my opinion, the, the red Jersey predominantly with the, their dark all the way down kit is very muddy to me. It's just this dark red and blue kind of bleeding all together the white shorts bang it's so good sorry I have a feeling i feel like we've had this conversation multiple times on this specific know, podcast over I the know. course of the last 179 <laughs> but episodes. it's so good it's it so is. good it, yeah. it's very it's it's much better it's oh yeah <laughs> but well uh, here let's make an epl analogy think about crystal palace's uniforms that are all red and blue dark right they're kind mm -hmm. of just muddy and washed Think about Manchester United, red, white, black, bang, that uniform pops. It's worldwide famous. Think about Mexico with the green, white, and red. Think about how vibrant that kit is. It, it would be great, and you could own that look. It'd be so good. I was wondering, uh, speaking of that, uh, in the course of the last couple of days, I've seen England and Colombia both wear their alternate jersey. And the weird note about this is this weird new trend of pairing a red, uh, some sort of shade of red shirt with a light blue or even electric light blue 
font mm. color. Have you did you see that no, in either uh, one of those games? No. Yeah, go look at the go look at the New England away and the Colombian away that they wore against Mexico last night. And I want and I'm not going to tell you what I think. I want to hear what you think on the next step. You and Dan okay. think on the next episode if you think that's a good uh, good color theory or whatever. Well, it sounds terrible. It. <laughs> it sounds awful. Go take a look. You I report will. back. Soon. Yeah, I will. I will. Okay. Yeah. The Derby the Podcast is brought to you by Soccer 90. Check out all the new FIFA World Cup arrivals, including the U.S. Men's National Team, France, England, Belgium, all the stuff you want. Soccer 90's got it. Shop Soccer90.com today, and as listeners of this podcast, you get 20% off your purchase when you use the code THIRDDEGREE. That's 3-R-D-D-E-G-R-E at checkout. Some exclusions may apply. All right. Well, I think we, that'll do it for episode 179. Hopefully, Dan is uh, surviving whatever he's got going on. Uh, I hope he's not ill or in trouble or in jail. He has pending nuptials. Oh, yeah. Okay. So he is in jail. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you, FC Dallas Curious Fan. We will speak to you next week on another episode of Third Degree, the podcast. Come back, Dan. Ooh. Woof. Third degree, the third degree net pocket. Third degree, the third degree net pocket. Third degree, third degree net pocket. Third degree, third degree net pocket. 25, 25 long hard years, yeah. Buzz Carrick, yeah, the man. Five years, you better be giving this man at least five dollars a month. Patreon third degree, come on, pay the man. It's the only comprehensive coverage of my fucking club that I love so much. Hey, come on, it's third degree or bust. Yes, give the man some other f- money. Hey, third degree, third degree, never care.